Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Oval presented by Dignity Health. This week, I'm joined by the incredibly talented 49ers senior team reporter, Kiana Martin. Kiana, I've been trying to get you on this podcast for a long time, so I'm excited you're finally on. (laughs) It's good to be on, and you are far too kind with that introduction, but thank you, Haley. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) I know there's not a typical day-to-day, but can you talk about what your responsibilities are as the 49ers senior team reporter? Yeah, absolutely. Um, A lot of people think, you know, your job is just to talk to, you know, the 49ers players and talk to the coaches all day. But uh, that's a bit of what I do, but it's not the majority of what I do. Um, My job, essentially, uh, the the simplest way to say it is I'm the liaison between what's going on with the organization and giving that message to the fans through whatever medium that might be. So uh, I'm responsible for the written content that you see on 49ers.com. We have a lot of video series uh, that are also partnered that I am also responsible for. So I do a lot of those. Those could be like the fun, you know, get to know player interviews, and they can also be the informative. They can also be um, kind of those newsworthy Uh, video pieces that we also do we promote on the site and also our social media channels I also uh, run two of our additional podcasts I know we have right here inside the oval but we also have our you've got mail podcast which is a podcast where we answer fan questions from either a someone from the media or someone in-house with the 49ers uh, just to kind of answer some questions surrounding the team and the direction and maybe it's a game uh, a number of topics so that's our you've got mail podcast and then we also have our unscripted podcast, which is a player-driven podcast, uh, speaking with our guys on the team um, a little bit, kind of getting to know them, but also uh, even if it's game prep, if it's about a p- place that they're at right now in their lives, just kind of getting to know the player a little bit more off the field. So those are two of the podcasts uh, that I also man. Uh, in addition to that, I when we did have fans, at Levi Stadium, my job was as a in-game host, as well as reporter, uh, talking to over 70,000 fans live in stadium with our pregame show, in-game hits that are uh, alongside our partners uh, doing fun fan activations. Uh, so that's also a part of my job, which has definitely changed uh, as we've now entered into this COVID time frame, but um, still finding ways to engage with fans and making them feel as if they're at the games at Levi Stadium with our countdown to kickoff show. And I'm trying to think of everything else that I do. Also, some things that are in-house as far as um, working with different departments and different groups, uh, whether they have events, they have partners, um, hosting uh, interviews, hosting uh, Q&As, even our fan groups like we had one, Women of the Niners. And we had a couple of special guests there to talk to some of our fans and moderating events like that. So in a nutshell, those are some of the things that I do uh, my day to day as the senior team reporter. It's probably a million other little things that I'm forgetting about, but um, it's an ongoing job. I know a lot of people think that, you know, once football season's over, you know, your job is done. But that's kind of where my job just gets started. You grew up in a sports family. You guys watch sports. You analyze sports. Did you always know you wanted to work in sports as well? 
I knew that I wanted sports to somehow be a part of my future. I just didn't know what capacity. Uh, I am not the most athletic person in the world. So uh, after playing softball and volleyball for a few years, I realized that might not be my calling in the future. But there's still a way that I, I know that I want to somehow be involved in the sports world. Um, so initially when I went to, well, back, I can backtrack to when I was in high school, um, I was an athletic trainer and I, in high school, I knew I wanted to go to college and study kinesiology. Um, but then I, once I went to school, I went to San Diego State University. And once I got my first list of classes, I was like, you know what, maybe this isn't the direction I really want to go. I wasn't really big on those science classes. So, uh, you know, I kind of had to sit back and say, okay, well, what do I ultimately want to do? What do I love? And something that I've always had a passion for is marketing. I, I love marketing. I love advertising. I, I love building a relationship with whether it's your clients, whether it's your customer having a voice of a brand. So I went to school initially for sports marketing. I knew that I still wanted to be in that sports realm. And uh, now my senior year of college, that's when I kind of, the idea went off in my mind. I believe it was maybe somebody that, that said something to me like, hey, you have such a great presence. Like you love talking about sports. Why don't you do that for a living? And that's when I was like, oh, that that is a job, isn't it? And at that time, you know, you see some of those names on the screen. You see those Aaron Andrews, you see Pam Olivers, you see the Sage Steels, you see so many of these names. But you don't really think that, hey, I could be one of those people too. But I think that's kind of what birthed the idea. Like, hey, I think I can make a career out of this. So instead of going back to school and studying broadcast journalism, which a lot of people in this industry do, um, I decided to stick with my degree in sports marketing. However, kind of put it on myself to to learn this craft and and study it and and figure out a way how can I be successful in an industry that I didn't necessarily study and I talked to a lot of you know college students and high school students who are interested in following a similar career path and one of my biggest pieces of advice is that I didn't necessarily have is when you're in college, you're given so many opportunities through internships and, and through your studies and networking with your professors and they might know people. That's such a great opportunity just to learn more and, and, and kind of get your foot in the door. I didn't necessarily have that. So I literally started from the absolute from ground zero and have to work my way up to get to where I am. But uh, I, I knew going back to the original question, I knew in the back of my mind, I wanted to work in sports in some capacity. I didn't necessarily envision it being this, but I couldn't be happier with the path that I decided to take. I never knew this about you. What was Kiana the athletic trainer like? Oh, <laughs> um, that's a really good question. Um, I was really good at taping ankles. I will say that it was not fun taping ankles of like, you know, you've been running for about the last three hours and your feet don't smell that great. That yeah. was not my favorite part of, <laughs> of that job, but it was a lot of fun. And I, I feel like I having that role as an athletic trainer, I spent a lot of time on the sidelines, whether if it was girls, volleyball, boys, basketball, football, whatever it was. And I got an, another appreciation a more appreciation for for sports and, and the different games um i really enjoyed kind of and and it sounds kind of bad but it might have to do with where i am now but i enjoyed hearing those conversations on the sidelines i enjoyed hearing a little bit of that game planning how are the coaches adjusting 
to what the opposing team is bringing. I really like that. And maybe that kind of helps shape where I am right now, why I like doing what I do. But I really loved athletic training. I just did not see myself uh, taking all of those classes. (laughs) One of the things, going back to the college discussion that you and I have in common, is our college degrees don't reflect necessarily what we do now. Yeah. What were some hurdles you had in overcoming that deficit? Yeah, I think what was really tough for me is that so many employers, so many um, job openings, they wanted you to have that experience. They, they, yeah, you know, it, it's hard to just jump right in and say, all right, I, I want an entry level job doing X, Y, Z. However, you don't have anything on your resume to show that you're capable of, of holding that, that position. Um, so for me, what just like what I was saying in, in my career, starting from ground up, I had to figure out a way, okay, how if they want experience on tape, they want to see how am I in front of camera? How am I writing when it comes to if I need to write a story on some breaking news? How how can I um, how can I do this job without having any of that experience? So what I did was. I did everything on my own. I started my own blog. I started my own uh, sports blog where I wrote about whatever it was that I wanted to write about. If I wanted to talk about at that point, LeBron going from Cleveland to Miami, I wrote about it because it's something that interests me. And that's how I got to kind of brush up on my writing chops. Um, I remember uh, years back before when the Chargers were still in San Diego and they were trying to relocate to LA, I set up my own camera and I went to the site that they were potentially going to move to. And I did a whole report there on my own just to show, hey, I know what I'm talking about and I'm confident in that I can get a message across to a fan base. And and from there, little by little, um, started just kind of building a little bit more experience, building building some some content for a reel uh, to show potential employers. And that's kind of what helped jumpstart my career. I, I got little gig after little gig, you know, nothing, nothing uh, on a big landscape of, of a job or, or a career, but I got little gigs. And from there, I just kind of got to build my reel. And uh, eventually someone ended up taking a chance on me saying, okay, she, she might not have that, you know, experience working for a small station in, you know, a little city somewhere, but she's invested in herself to be able to write, work on her writing, work on her on camera presence, work on her reporting skills that she could potentially be an asset. Uh, So that's a little bit of what I had to do. You know, it it was a ton of hurdles, a lot of no's, a lot of you need more of this, you need more of that, but kind of just taking it upon yourself to, to kind of make that happen. And that's what I ultimately did. Have you ever gone back and looked at your blog or some of the first videos that you made? I do not. I absolutely do not because they're horrifying. (laughs) And I mean, I could probably say the same thing right now. Looking down the line five, 10 years, I could look back at something that's right now in 2021 and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I was just terrible. But I think that comes along with anybody in any profession that you're, you're in. You're constantly growing. You're constantly evolving. Uh, you're you're perfecting your craft. You're you're brushing up on on skills. And and there's still times where you know I have reps like I I do 
another thing about my job, I do, I work with NBC Sports Bay Area and I do a couple of shows with them. One being pregame live that airs before every game. And I have a live hit about a two to three minute hit before a game. And I'm talking about a number of topics, whether it's a specific player or it's a specific stat or, or a matchup in the game. And I went back to just see my first one from this year to my most recent one. And it's like, it, it's a drastic difference, but it's just because we're, we're, we're always growing. We're always progressing and you're learning from, from your first to your next and, and just constantly trying to build off of that. But because of that, I know how horrible <laughs> my first uh, writing piece and my first video probably looked and sound. So I prefer not to embarrass myself and not to, um, yeah, I don't want to go back down that hole and look at that. So we're just looking ahead now. <laughs> Another, I, I guess, interesting similarity. You and I both started in the NFL in intern positions after we graduated college. I think sometimes there's that misconception that you intern in college and then you get a job. Mm-hmm. Do you think that experience helped prepare you for your trajectory to now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just how I said, you know, I picked up little gig after little gig. Um, It took a while for me to even get an internship. So I still wasn't even an intern after college. I was just working a small thing for somebody needed someone to host this or someone needed someone to report on this. It was a number of little itty bitty opportunities that built up for me. But my first uh, internship, I was working for a very small station in Torrance, California called Torrance City Cable. And I covered high school sports. And it's not the most glamorous position. And and I don't I don't even know if I was paid at that point. I think I did everything for free. And I did all of my my shooting, my writing, my editing, creating the entire package for the show. But that opportunity is what got me, I would say my my biggest jump, which was still an intern position, but that was with the Kansas City Chiefs. I was a reporter intern for them for about a season and some change. And honestly, I am so grateful for that opportunity because that's where I learned the bulk of my current job. You know, I wasn't doing the, the same things that I'm doing now, but I learned a lot about the industry. I learned working for a sports team, which everyone thinks it's super easy. I, and I, I say this all the time when it comes to like social media, people think, you know, oh, I just write some really cool copy and, and post. And that's what it's like being someone that works in social media and sports. That couldn't be further from the truth. There's so much more that goes goes on behind the scenes and it's not as glamorous as people might think. But same with my role. Um, it's not just, oh, I just go stand in front of a camera and talk to players and and talk to coaches and talk to GMs and that's my job. It definitely wasn't that. But I, I learned so much about an organization, how how to streamline a process. It, it, it's working with our PR team to get you know your players and get your coaches and get those interviews set up building relationships with other departments, like your partnerships department, everything. It's not just an idea comes to mind and we're like, all right, let's do it. It has to go through a number of, let's say channels in order to, to make something happen. But I think that's where I've got, I got, I received the most of my knowledge. And most importantly, I would always say that um, writing was never my strongest suit. Some people listening might be like, yeah, I know. I read 49ers.com and it's not. (laughs) Hey, I think those are great. (laughs) Thank you. 
But that's, I, I know I, I wrote for fun, but I really learned um, how to write with my internship job with the Chiefs. That's what I, I think that was like one of my, my job was probably 80% writing. And then 20%, you know, I also did social media for the team because this was when, you know, people weren't investing heavily in their social media team. So they said, hey, we have an intern. She can do it. Let's have her do it. So I did some of that work too. But all of that truly helped with what I'm doing now. Um, it, it definitely set me up for the role that I have today. And, and I could not be more grateful, even though I worked for free, but it was all worth it. It was 100% worth it because it gave me the knowledge, the experience, the, the networking. Um, it, it was just so much that was that was very beneficial to where I'm at now. From the Chiefs, you took a stint in the NBA, which we're skipping, and you landed in San Francisco. Some of my favorite stories are about your interviews from your first week in the building. I know you interviewed Tom Rathman, Jed York, I think even John Lynch. Yeah. Do you have any memories from that time? Yeah, I remember being nervous as heck. <laughs> so to, to, to give a little bit of background to what Haley uh, just explained, my very first week with the 49ers, I started on my birthday, which is April 24th. I, that was my first day of work in 2017. Got to work. And, and if you know that time of year, April, especially the last week of April, is draft week. That's an extremely busy week in the NFL. So I started on Monday. And of course, you know, you get the tour around the facility. You, you find where your office is. You're still learning names. So that was my very first day. Um, my second day kind of getting, okay, here's, you know, here's the programs we use. Here's your laptop and all of those things. But then by my third day on the job, um, at then my then counterpart, who is now uh, with NBC Sports Pacific Northwest, uh, Joe Fan, who used to work for the 49ers, he was leaving to cover the draft, which began on Thursday. So he's leaving on Wednesday, but also that Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken, it was a while ago, but that Wednesday <laughs> was also the day that Tom Rathman was inducted into the 49ers Hall of Fame. So by my third day on the job, you are now going to interview Tom Rathman about being inducted into the Hall of Fame. You're going to interview him about his career. And the cool thing about that was that growing up, my dad was a huge 49ers fan and just loved everything 49ers. So when I told him what I was doing, he was just so excited. And he's telling me all of the stories about Tom Rathman. And, and uh, so that made it a little easier for me. But uh, it's still just your third day on the job. And you're like, whoa, okay. And then right after that, I'm told, oh, hey, and this wasn't even planned, but we want you to talk to the owner of the 49ers, Jed York, about Tom Rathman being inducted into the Hall of Fame. And you're just like, okay, wow, this is this is a lot. <laughs> it's only my, I don't even think Jed knows my name. He doesn't even know I exist. And he's like, who's this girl that works for us now? So that was also a part of my job. And then, you know, we had the draft that very next day on Thursday. And they're saying, hey, you're going to talk to our new GM, John Lynch, about the selections he's made in the first day of the draft. And I'm just like, okay. This is a lot, but it, it was great to be thrown in the fire like that because I, I felt like it was a really good test for me. Like, okay, how can I handle uh, being under pressure, things being thrown my way? You know, I, I didn't expect to to be pushed in into some of these situations that fast, but um, I'm so grateful for them and, and they've definitely um, 
help build relationships. Now with John Lynch, I, I remember there was an interesting story that happened. I don't want to get into it, but but I definitely <laughs> uh, messed up pretty bad on an interview and, and he kind of stopped me and he was so kind about it, but he was in broadcast. He understands that, but um, it's just one of those things that now I can look back on and laugh about, but it definitely helped build relationships and, and um, it was just an interesting first week that I will never forget. Speaking of interviews, I won't ask you who your favorite player to interview is, even though Johnny gave his, so not to name names, but uh, do you have a favorite interview? Yes, I do. And the reason being is because I'll let you guys in on a little secret. I'm usually like, not in a bad way, but I'm kind of bullied when I say that there's a specific person that I like interviewing most because someone else in the locker room will hear that and say, okay, well, I'm not going to give you an interview anymore because you like talking to that person more. <laughs> so that's why I avoid the who's my favorite talks just to save myself. But I do have a favorite interview of all time. And it actually happened uh, during our pregame show back last two seasons ago when we could have fans in the stands. And it was during our division divisional round game in the playoffs i believe i'm trying to remember is it yeah Yeah. if it's the one i'm thinking of then yes i'm sure it is yep and it is actually joe montana um for our we have our countdown to kickoff i think it was a countdown to kickoff at that point keys to victory wow lots of things that you're remembering no a lot's coming back to me right now our keys to victory a pregame, I would talk to a special guest for about ah, three to five minutes and we would talk about our keys to a 49ers victory against whatever opponent. And during the divisional round, um, we were playing the Vikings that week and I had Joe Montana. I had never met Joe Montana in my life. You know, I've only watched him on TV. I've only talked to my dad about him. I've never, I've never met Joe Montana. And so, of course, like I am I can say, like I get nervous sometimes, like if I'm talking to some of the guys in the locker room, not so much, but there are some names that you're just like, oh my gosh, like you are the greatest of all time and I'm about to interview you. That's, that's a lot. So, you know, before we go live, I might get a couple of minutes just to talk with him really quick, get to know him, uh, let him know, hey, I'm, I'm the girl that's going to be talking to you. And when I tell you Joe was when they call him Joe Cool, he was the coolest guy I have ever met. Uh, I think I was more comfortable after talking to him. Like I was like, oh, it's just like talking to your best friend. He was the kindest guy. He was the most laid back. I felt like I wanted to just stop like working and reporting on the game and go sit in a suite and just have a beer with him. He (laughs) is the coolest guy I've ever met. And Honestly, I think it was more so it might not have been necessarily the interview that just blew me away. It might have just been who he was as a person um, that that really made that just one of just such a special moment for me. I will never forget that. And hopefully one day I will be able just to grab a beer with Joe Montana because he is by far one of the best, the kindest, the most interesting people I've ever met in my life. That's my favorite. (laughs) That's a really good one. And I'm thinking now that you have brought up keys to victory, it's just flashbacks are happening. Both of your playoff keys to victory were pretty iconic because you got Jerry to run a a hundred yards for the NFC championship game. I did. And I did not expect that, but I think that's one of the fun things about what I do. You know, I 
we we haven't talked about everything you know i do some writing and and other things for other partners but i think one of the most fun things are kind of like the random sporadic things that i get to do um so during our keys to victory the following week during the nfc championship game i had jerry rice and uh you know I've talked to Jerry a couple of times. I've met him a few times and a couple of things with him. So we have a pretty good relationship. And I think what I really appreciate is that even though we have that fun relationship, like we can definitely play on that during our interview. So, you know, we're talking and, and, you know, I'm asking him some questions about what the 49ers need to do if they want to make it to the Super Bowl. And, and uh, one of the final questions, you know, I, I, I'm trying to remember what it was, but I know he had on a, a full suit and I was like, you look like, I was like, you know, do the 49ers need to call you? Can you suit up today if they need you? And he's like, I, I can run, I can run a hundred yards right now. Do you want me to run a hundred yards? And he was like, are we done? And I was like, we're done. He drops the mic and just sprints the entire length of the field. And our cameras just stick on him. And I think what was so fun about that was that that was clipped off and it was picked up. I think like ESPN picked it up, Bleacher Report picked it up and it went viral. Jerry Rice in a suit uh, during the 49, right before the 49ers NFC championship game. Uh, it was just a really, really fun moment. I know it was fun for Jerry. Jerry loves stuff like that, but that was just a really cool moment. Uh, and who knew that Jerry at his age still has those wheels. You know, I think he would love to sign a contract for like a day, uh, play an A game. He would love to do something like that. But I mean, you never know. He still got it. I think he still got it. Yeah. Was it our first training camp that he suited up and took passes? He, he sure did. He was on the sidelines. And at first he was just running routes while the guys were warming up. And, you know, he got in on a little bit of the drills, our very first training camp back in 2017. And and he spoke with the team after their practice and, and uh, left them with some great words. But I think that's what's really special about this organization, having a lot of the the alumni and some of these greats who are still involved, still have their hand in a lot of what this team is doing. They want to see this team succeed. Um, uh, Jerry just even, you know, he, he helps so much with the foundation and, and you see uh, Steve Young helping out Joe Montana. I think that's incredible. And even like, you know, when we have our, not even just our alumni weekends, but just in general, you see so many alum at the game there to support and and we see them on Twitter and it's really really fun to watch just having those names and that support of just some of these NFL legends I think that's really really cool about this organization and it's nice that they're still in the organization as well I know Kina we have like a really nice alum alumni board Mm -hmm. so it is fun to see everyone still around yeah, I totally agree with that. Also, Guy McIntyre is another name. Um, Jesse Sapalu, he, he's always involved, too. So there's a lot of names who still, you know, stay barely involved. Dennis Brown. Dennis Brown. <laughs> no, I can't forget about Dennis Brown. He helped host uh, Countdown to Kickoff with me this year during our home games and did a fantastic job. There's so many names, and, and it's so exciting to have them back in the building and helping out whenever they can. Now that we're in, wow, February – one of the major misconceptions I run across is that people think once the season is over, we suddenly aren't busy. Mm-hmm. Do you prefer the regular scheduling of being in season, knowing that Monday you're going to do a game recap and Wednesday you're going to look forward and Friday you're going to write a four downs and then Sunday you're going to have a game or like rolling event 
to event, senior bowl draft, free agency, state of the franchise of the off season. Yeah, that's tough. You know, I, I think now, now that this is closing out my fourth season and now preparing for my fifth season, doing everything. Um, I think that I've kind of learned to enjoy the entire year. I think, you know, I, I always say that no two days are the same in our role and especially in my role. But what I do like is that, you know, it's kind of like, it's like, it's a revolving door, so to speak. I mean, maybe that's not the word, but, but I know that, (laughs) In January, I know to expect X. In February, I know to expect Y and so on and so forth. So just like you said, you know, once the season ends, things just don't stop. You know, we once, you know, the season's over, obviously the season cut short, not what the team anticipated. But, you know, once that ends, we're, we're reflecting on the 2020 season before we close the door. Now that the door is closed, now we're starting to look ahead. And this is one of the busiest times in an NFL season. We're looking at the combine. We're looking at free agency. We're starting to prepare for the draft. Those things definitely keep us busy. Um, and after that, now you have all of these new pieces. How is that team preparing for the start of this 2021 season? You have, if the, if the NFL is going to have an OTAs, mini camp, training camp, things like that, and preparing for that so I kind of I I like a little bit of both I like you know doing a lot of the prep work for you know the new pieces or the moving pieces that might be happening in the next couple of weeks couple of months but I also like the you know game prep all right now everything's said and done now we're ready for week one what does this look like all right let's prep for week two this game this matchup is it a division but I kind of like a little bit of both so it's, it's tough to point out which one I like better but I think I've gotten into um I've gotten to the 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 flow of of a full NFL calendar now that I I just enjoy the whole 365 of it well and for me I found that by the time we get through the season I'm ready for not a regular schedule right and then by the time we get through the off season I'm like nope I could use my schedule yeah I think that's very very I think that's very relatable and very accurate for me too you know you're excited for an off season you're excited for something different and then now that you've been dealing with you know a little bit of kind of just like up and down things kind of being sporadic now once season starts a little bit more or of a of a day-to-day, a regular schedule. So I, I kind of agree with that too. I, I you, you miss one thing and then now you're over it and you're ready for the next one. So that's a perfect yeah. way to explain it. Taking a more serious turn, it's, it's no surprise to anyone that women are a minority working in sports. It's becoming less and less, which is really nice. But for you, Black women in sports, and especially in reporting, is a pretty exclusive group. Do you think that since you started working in the industry, you've seen a growth in diversity in the field? I would say yes. Absolutely yes. And and one of the easiest ways to see that is on just even on social media. Um, I know I, I see that. I think that's how I, I kind of make a lot of connections to a lot of women in the industry um, just through like, say, for example, Taylor Rooks, who does a lot of work with the NBA and uh, Bleacher Report and TNT and and seeing her and what she's doing, I think it's incredible, especially in this time, this time where social media 
uh, has really taken off. And that's what a lot of people look to for their news, for their entertainment. Um, but not just that, uh, even just around the NFL in addition. Um, I'm, well, for myself, I, if I'm not mistaken, I am the first black team reporter. Um, that's something that you don't necessarily see, but you're seeing things starting to change. Um, you're seeing, you know, more people of color holding different roles that are representing whether it is a team or whether you're you're speaking on behalf of a brand, a company. Uh, you're seeing things definitely starting to change. And, and what I love is that I get a lot of messages from people that are like, hey, you know, I never thought that this would be a possibility for me, but I see you doing that. And I'm like, me, like, I'm not me. I'm just like a regular schmegular girl. And, and, and you know, <laughs> you do kind of look back at it and it's like, wow, like I really do hold this role and, and I'm so grateful. And and it, it's just, I don't know. I'm sometimes taken aback. Like, wow, I, I sometimes maybe I just, you know, you're just used to, you know, your day to day and moving so fast, but I never really sat back and looked at, you know, my role and what I do and, and how so many people are, you know, motivated by my job and, and my position. So I, I'm seeing it grow. Uh, there's so many groups that I've been a part of, like um, for one being NABJ, um, going out to, you know, we'll pray prior to COVID, you know, going out to some of those events and, and seeing so many women of color uh, in the same realm as I am. Um, and then also just women in general. I know I'm a part of a couple of groups and I even have an event coming up where using, I, I'm getting used to some of these new social media platforms, but like I'll be speaking on Clubhouse about what it's like being a woman in this role and then also being a woman of color in this role and how I'm seeing the dynamic shift. But I, one thing I can say is I'm definitely grateful, one, for, for my position, but also I, I love seeing so many other women like me doing so many great things and also being great at it. Because I think a lot of people want to quickly discredit, especially being, let's just keep it general, just as being a woman, you're quick to be discredited uh, working in a male dominated industry. So uh, I'm definitely glad to see this starting to grow and starting to develop. Um, and who knows what may happen in, in, in the future, but I, I'm excited to see how this continues to, to evolve. One thing that from talking to you, I think is really promising for me just to think about is you're on like a group chat with a lot of the female team reporters. Mm -hmm. And it is such a helpful and inclusive group. I know when we were starting podcasts for the 49ers, you were able to just text Haley from the Chargers and mm -hmm. say, hey, can you help us with this? So I think that's been nice is there isn't that I think women can get a the stereotype of being catty yeah and I think that's been really nice to hear from you as someone in that group is that it is a pretty uplifting community that has been one of the biggest resources uh for myself um it started maybe a, almost about two years ago uh started a group chat and it's with all of the female team reporters and at least sorry males but for all <laughs> of the females and it it's been Literally, we go from discussions on whether it's, you know, girly stuff as far as like getting your eyelashes done to stuff about, you know, struggles in the workplace, whether it's pay, 
whether it's, you know, wanting a promotion, whether it's, you know, dealing with some girls right now are dealing with head coach and GM changes, trying to navigate how to do that. I know I have never had to deal with a massive front office overhaul, but we recently just had to deal with a new defensive coordinator for the first time in my career. I've had to do that. And, and offensive coordinator. And, and offensive coordinator. Exactly. So uh, being able to use these girls as a resource has been phenomenal. Actually, this morning I woke up there's about 23, 24 of us in a group chat, so you can only imagine the notifications. But I woke up this morning to about a good maybe 30 messages, just discussions about, you know, the stresses of an NFL season. And people think that this is, you know, we are very grateful to have this job and, and it is a lot of fun. It's very rewarding. And and I, I love what I do. And I know I can say the same for these ladies, but sometimes it can take a toll on you, a mental toll on you, especially looking at this year that we all just came off of, you know, trying to navigate an NFL season during COVID things, having to adjust, you know, typically a lot of us travel with the team and, and, you know, we do our in-person interviews. We have a lot of responsibilities that we have to do, but now that is all shifted given this pandemic and having to navigate how to get things done, how to still efficiently and effectively do your job. It's a struggle and it has taken a toll on a lot of, a lot of the people, not just women, but a lot of people in this industry period. And, and so the messages that I got this morning, it was some girls that are just like, you know, I feel guilty that, you know, I feel you know, overwhelmed with what's been going on. But, you know, you have this little community of, of all of us that are in the basically the exact same shoes that are like, hey, you're not the only one that's alone in this. And so it's been such a resource and such a blessing. And then there's a lot of moms in this group chat and, and, and in this little world that we're in. And, and that's, you know, I'm not there in my life, but they've also been a resource to each other, juggling motherhood, juggling work, juggling marriage and relationships. And, and I think there's things that all of us can learn from one another. I've, I've made some of my closest friends in this group chat. So it, it's so, I'm so grateful for that and to be able to, to grow and, and be better at my job through, a group chat of girls who do a job that's similar to what I do. So it's a really cool, um, it's, it's a really cool little group that we're a part of. Let's say there's someone out there that says, I want her job. What would your advice to them be? If you wanted my job, my advice would be, um, you know what? One of the biggest pieces of advice would be, one, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Um, I always said that networking was never my strongest suit. Um, I, I just, and it's still to this day, you know, I could be in a room full of execs and I might be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go to the, I'm going to go to the little food table. Like I, I just, I've never <laughs> been the one to just like, you know, go forth and, and, you know, Hey, I'm so-and-so and this and that. But, but I feel like the best thing, you know, my dad used to tell me this when I was younger, you know, it's, 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 it's about building relationships. It's about, because you never know who the person you're talking to, who they might know or who they might be connected to. And it's not only for personal gain, but it also goes both ways. Um, so I, I think number one is, is building relationships with those um, around you in the industry, um, being able to, um, kind of lean on, on some other people when needed and, and the same 
for you um, because I know I have a couple of people that I've, I've always leaned on and then in return, there's been instances where they've needed something and I've been there for them. So it goes both ways. Um, but also another thing would be to perfect your craft. Um, like I said, writing was never my strong suit, but that's something that I, I really focused on. I wanted to become a better writer so I could become a better reporter. Um, so finding ways to strengthen maybe some of your, for lack of a better term, some of your weaknesses. How can you get better at writing? Or how can you get better with your on-camera presence? How can you get better building relationships with, let's say, front office staff? Uh, whatever it might be, there, I think there's always ways to creatively, you know, sharpen some of your tools. Um, in this day and age, like I said, with social media, like people can build their own brands. Uh, that's what I did with my very first blog. It was actually called Sidelines and Stilettos. That's what I called it because I didn't <laughs> know what to call it. But but employers were really taken to that. They were like, wow, one, that's a, a cool little name. But two, the fact that you took initiative to do that. Um, I think that's really big. And, and that word, taking initiative, a lot of employers see that. And, and that's something you want to see out of somebody that you're hiring. The fact that if it's not there for them, they can go out and make it themselves. So in this day and age, I think that um, you can definitely, you know, go out on your own and make things happen if it's not already there for you. That's the beauty of this time and day and age that we live in. Those are my two pieces of advice. <laughs> Those are good. I would like another piece of advice, though. Mm -hmm. Speaking of sidelines and stilettos, anyone who's seen you on the sidelines knows you probably are wearing <laughs> stilettos. Yes. What is your number one trick for walking on turf in stilettos? <laughs> this is a fantastic question. Fantastic question. I feel like you would know better than anyone. Yes, I, I've got you. Okay, so <laughs> for those who don't, who have never seen me in person, I stand at a very tall five, one and three quarters. So I am not, I, I, I guess you can say I'm a little bit vertically challenged and dealing in this industry, Haley glazed over it. But yes, I worked in the NBA. And so I'm dealing with people who basically are almost about seven feet tall and there's little me. So yes, I've always had to wear really tall shoes to uh, help compensate that difference in height. So walking on the grass and turf is definitely uh, it's, it's a, it's a struggle. It is not an easy task, but here's, this is the trick. You have to walk on the ball of your feet. The weight has to be distributed, distributed to the front of your feet. And that is the best way to navigate walking on grass and turf. I have mastered it. Um, I need to find some wood somewhere knocking on it. I have not <laughs> had any tumbles yet in my, now I think we're in year seven somewhere of working in the NFL. Um, but I haven't had tumbles yet. So that's, that's my key to success right there. Weight distribution. It's, that's a good tip. I have not mastered that. And I just <laughs> try to steer clear when possible. <laughs> I thought we'd finish with a couple quick hits, which for anyone who's listened to this, they don't tend to be quick, which is why I think they're really funny. And I'm a talker, but... so that's tough. <laughs> Do you have a favorite away stadium? Oh, this is a great question. Um, which actually, okay, so I know this is quick hits, but now I'm going to I'm going to shorten this See, a they long don't story. They tend to be no, quick hits. Don't. You're totally fine. So, during uh this this lull that we've had where, where 49ers didn't make the playoffs and now we're waiting for Super Bowl, this kind of like little window that we had that's a little slower than normal. Um, I want I put I gave myself a little task to do and I bought a little cork board and some little push pins and I've saved every 
a credential from every stadium I have ever been to in my life, every event that I've been to. I've saved them and I've had them in a bag for years now, years. And so I literally last week, I finally put together the cork board, little push pins, and I have them all together. And I'm actually going to post it on social media this week. But I got to look back and just sitting there looking at all of these credentials and I'm going back, like trying to remember the game moments from the game stadiums. So it's the perfect time because I was just looking at all of these credentials, but my favorite stadium uh, would probably be where I think we're, we're Super Bowl 55 is going to be held at Tampa Bay. I think that would be my favorite one because they did a fantastic job uh, with the fan activations there uh, when you before you even get into the stadium, there's like it's like a beach outside of the stadium. There's sand, there's huge chairs, there's like dancing, there's like a DJ. There, it's it's so fun. The atmosphere outside the stadium is is incredible. And then once you go into the stadium, there's a giant um, pirate ship, and they blast cannons. You know, during touchdowns, it's so loud, loud it startles you. Like when I'm working in the press box, and you know I'm trying to type, it's like boom, and I'm like, okay. Wait a minute, but it, it's so fun. They did such a great job with that stadium. And then to add, um, I'm a big foodie. I love to eat. They have really good food options uh, for the working press. So with that, I will say that Tampa Bay is up there as one of my favorite stadiums. Not sure if you're going to ask this question, but I'm going to answer it anyway. Stadiums that I haven't been to, but are on my bucket list. I have not been to Lambeau. I really want to go to Lambeau. And I also would love to, I haven't been to MetLife either. Uh, so when we went this year, you know, I didn't get to travel with the team. So have not gone to MetLife. And then also I want to visit uh, Gillette Stadium. There we go. <laughs> I'm really glad you brought up press box food because my next question was who has the best press box food? Yeah, it's there. It's Tampa Bay. And if I remember, <laughs> I think they also, they have like, is it apple pie or they have like banana foster? I think they have. And all of like the the so beat they got writers, you with the rum they, they <laughs> probably uh, all of the beat writers go crazy over it. I think they have like a brisket station and like carved meats that was really impressive. I think Houston does too. I have to really think. I'm trying to remember who had the greatest food. I, I should you know I think I should that should be my blog. Uh, press yeah, box, you should definitely I, have like a piece on that. Oh, that would be incredible. But if I'm not mistaken, I think Houston had a pretty good spread too. I might be mistaken, but. There, those might be my top two. From Tampa, heading a little further south, do you have a favorite Miami memory? Oh man! Oh, that I know you were there so for what two tough. weeks. Was, you were there a long time. I was in Miami for Super Bowl Fifty Four for two weeks. My favorite memory. Oh man, that's really tough. Um, that whole that whole experience. I, I'm I'm so grateful. I, I enjoyed every moment of it. Um, I would say maybe one of the best moments for me. Okay, I have two. Okay. Two? Yeah, two. I have two moments. <laughs> the first one was traveling to Miami um, on the team plane. Um, I think once we landed and we got to the hangar, I've never seen anything like it. It was so many people from the media there. There were so many cameras. There was a live live music going on. And you literally got off the plane and felt like you were just walking into this grand entrance of a party. It was just the atmosphere. And that's when I think it hit us like, wow, 
we're we're going to the Super Bowl. I I it was just it was so much fun and and like it's being streamed on TV so you have your friends and everyone watching watching you get off the plane. That was a lot of fun. So that's one memory and then the second memory would be opening night. I think if getting off the plane didn't hit you that you're at the Super Bowl opening night was was such a great experience just you know you have so many people from the media there you have all your players and coaches around answering questions and the questions can be as serious as you know game prepping for the game or it can be as silly as you know what's your favorite cereal it's just so many you got to see so many different personalities and on this amazing beautiful stage and then you had both the 49ers and the Chiefs on the stage together answering questions you had uh, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey talking about being two of the best tight ends in the league. You have Jimmy Garoppolo and Patrick Mahomes on the stage. I think that night was probably one of the most memorable for me. Um, just the the atmosphere, um, everything that came with it, it. It was just so much fun. Those are my my two best memories from Super Bowl, even though there's a long list of them, but those two <laughs> go to top of mind. We've talked a lot about interviewing players and personnel, writing articles, but I don't want to discount that you do a lot of non-football events. You're involved in 49ers Foundation, Women of the Niners, Community Relations. Do you have a favorite non-football event that you've worked or hosted? Oh, my favorite, which I'm. this is a great question. I'm glad you asked. I think one of my favorite events is actually... Um, what the 49ers do and the 49ers uh, community relations team does with Crucial Catch. Uh, and that's during the month of October and, and the NFL, the entire league, um, their focus is on cancers, of uh, various cancers, not just breast cancer. And um, I, I love when the 49ers put on their Crucial Catch fashion show. And it's so much fun because I, I host this event every year and it's 49ers players, they they take the runway with various cancer warriors, ranging from pediatric cancer. So you have your young kids, you have your you have men, you have women, so many different backgrounds, and you get to hear their stories and and those who have those stories of hope and those those stories of overcoming those cancer warriors and, and kind of telling a little bit about their stories being in remission. And, and it's so great to celebrate them and, and the ones that are still battling. And I, I just love being a part of that and, and being able to share, you know, those journeys that they've been through. It's one of the most special moments and just watching the 49ers players and staff and, and how they interact with with our warriors it's so much fun and and i think it leaves such a great impact not just on the people who are involved our warriors but also the players you see them building relationships with with some of these guests and and even myself um two years ago we had it was a lady and she was battling cancer and and she left she went straight from the hospital to the fashion show and I, I just had a, a, a something about her. I was just gra- I gravitated towards her, and and we built a great relationship. We would we would text here and there, and and unfortunately, a few months later, um, one of her friends reached out and told me that she did pass. But she was just such a beautiful spirit, and it was so great to even meet her and even be in her presence, and and just those relationships that are built from events like that. That is by far one of my favorite. Uh, events that the 49ers put on. They do so many great things, but that's just one that stands out. 
Yeah, uh, the pictures from that event are unbelievable because everyone is having such a good time. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I, I just love, like, even when you see, I think it was, like, George Kittle or Mike McGlinchey, and they're doing the poses with the kids. It's just so much fun. It, it, it doesn't take a lot, you know, out of your time, but just the impact that you can have on, on someone's life, these kids' lives. They'll look back at that, and they're like, wow, I walked down the runway with – with X player and I'll never forget that. Those are the things that that really stand out to me and and they truly make a difference. To close out, we're going to actually steal something from one of your podcasts. Uh-oh. On the 49ers unscripted podcast, you ask players to build a food item, pizza, taco that represents that week's opponent mm-hmm. and then you go item by item naming players or position groups for each thing. In honor of you being here, I thought we could do a twist on that. So for the Bay Area, I picked the fortune cookie, which I hope people know is from Mm -hmm. San Francisco. Mm -hmm. I thought rather than going item by item, though, because I'm not going to ask you who the flower is, (laughs) uh, (laughs) could you give us your fortune cookie fortune for the 2021 season? that is an incredible question all right 2021 season cracking open my 49ers fortune cookie and in this fortune cookie as I open it (laughs) my eyes are closed right now as I'm doing this I'm reading the little note. Actually, fun story. When I was little, I used to call it a, the nut with a note. I never called it a fortune cookie. <laughs> <laughs> I called it the nut with a note. And in my little nut with a note, it reads that health and wealth is in your future. And that's what I see for the 49ers. I know they've had a couple of seasons of really tough breaks when it comes to staying healthy having your players on the field. And I feel like this season we had 2020 as an opportunity to learn, okay, what can we do differently? How can we keep these guys healthy? What do we need to adjust? What do we need to work on? I feel like we're going to take that. We're going to pocket that and we're going to apply it to this off season, getting these guys conditioned, getting them on the field, having them ready to play a full 16 games. And I feel like this team will be healthy going into the season coming out of this season and health and wealth, the wealth side of it. uh, I'm looking at the postseason. I feel like this team will be making it back to the postseason. They have the pieces, they have the tools, they have the coaching staff to do it. And now it's just about having these players available and on the field and uh, looking at some January, 2022 football. That is the Kiana 49ers fortune cookie. Okay. And that with a note. I, I think you're right. I feel pretty good about that one. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, my my fortune doesn't work when I play the lotto because I didn't win these last two Mega Millions, but I think it does <laughs> work with my little fortune cookie. Well, fingers crossed. Kiana, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I know you like asking questions way more than you like answering them, so I really do appreciate it. <laughs> absolutely. it's Usually it's weird when you know, you're know you always the one asking, but you have to be the one answering it, but it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, and I can't wait to see who you've got next. <laughs>